Welcome to the Good Christian Podcast. My name is Joshua. And my name is Lisa. We are not saying we're always good Christians, but this is always a good podcast for Christians to listen to. We pray that at the Good Christian Podcast, you will always find hope, equipping, and encouragement to follow Jesus well in our modern world. We hope this is a place for you to come and learn how to live out your faith in every aspect of your life. You may not believe everything we do, but we hope this is still a space for you to learn and grow alongside of us, no matter where you are in your faith journey. We hope today's episode is life-changing for you, and if you find value in it, please share it with a friend. Let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to season two of the Good Christian Podcast. This is episode number six. My name is Joshua. I'll be your host. Actually, can we go ahead and make this official? We've got another co-host. This is the one and only Edgar. No, his name is Eddie. Why don't you introduce yourself? Eddie, this is a, a, a dear friend of mine, a, a man of God. And uh, yeah, we're excited about this new, what are we calling it? Like a new, uh, uh, what are the things where they do like the... Uh, Just the real talk, right? Yeah, but what do they call it when it's like a different kind of part of a show? Like a segment. Segment, that's the one. That's right. See, I mean, I'm here to complete you. I'm here to uh, finish those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. No, my name is Eddie Layton. Um, I am excited to be here. I uh, was very honored to be invited to be a, a host uh, along with Joshua Delp and his wife, Lisa. And um, just, yeah, just excited to be able to encourage the family of God, to encourage those looking and seeking and just having an honest talk, an honest yes. conversation, right? Um, it's not about perceptions and images it's just about the real so this segment of the good christian podcast uh it'll be our regular thing we'll kind of each month we're going to roll out a different theme or a subject matter of and if you remember last episode lisa and i rolled out our vision for this year this season and that's a, a living Living called Building a New Future. And what does it take to live called as a Christian? Uh, the scripture that is really going to be our uh, vision verse over this whole year is 2 Timothy 1.9, that God has saved us and called us to a, a, a holy life. Now, the reality is, I know so many Christians who live a saved life, but they don't live a called life. And now, more than ever in the midst of uh, a crazy old world that's maybe crazier than it's been in a few generations, um, we need the people of God to rise up to be light in the darkness and to live called all that sounds great and inspirational <laughs> and very 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 
mm. pious and and um, holy and yes. even yes. devout. But so this uh, kind of spurred from our convos of just a real life or a real ministry. So we're calling this a segment of the Good Christian podcast. Uh, I forgot. Behind the curtain, that's right. As you can see, we are not um, we are not super polished at all, and that's the point of this: is to like take these lofty ideas and scriptures, these bold aspects of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, but then get real. And uh, Eddie had a great little metaphor. Thor from um, the Wizard of Oz. Ah, uh, yes. So I, I love when uh, you know Dorothy and all the little characters have finally made it to see the wizard, and <laughs> you know the dog pulls back the curtain, right? And there's just a normal man pulling a bunch of switches, doing a bunch of little tricks, <laughs> and and he tries to even say it, you know. Never mind the man behind the curtain. You know, fo- fo- focus, focus over here. Uh, you know, watch my hands. You know, don't, don't do this, don't do that. And so I think it's just this idea of like, you know, we've got to be able to be okay enough with who we are to not just try to put out an image, right? Like, there's this idea of, um, actually one of our friends was just sharing this this morning, right? That there was like a Japanese saying that talked about how every man or every person has three faces, right? And you have a face that you put on for society to see. You have a face that those that are maybe a little closer to you, maybe a little bit more intimate with you get to see. And then there's that face that only you get to see. Right in the mirror. You know, right in the mirror. And... Um, you know, I think that it's um, obviously trying to find that balance of like, we don't want to just, you know, wear all of our junk all the time out there. But I think that there's this 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 idea of being real. We had a, a friend that we challenged just last week, I think, at church to step out and be on stage for the very first time. Wow, yeah. Right. A uh, good friend of mine, her name is Vanessa. And I see a call of God in her life to do and be more present. Right. Um, she's the type of person that, you know, she'll put herself kind of in the background and she's always there. She's always support staff. And that's kind of how she sees herself. Well, we challenged her to do the MC for church. The first time she'd ever held a microphone, first time she'd ever been in front of anyone. And she got up there and she was so nervous. But instead of trying to like play it off, she actually stopped, paused and just identified the elephant in the room, right? She said, I am so nervous. <laughs> but you know what? God has called me to do this and this and this. And I think that so because she was real in that moment, I've heard so many testimonies over the last week from people that were like, you know what? It was so refreshing mm-hmm. to see somebody up on stage that didn't look like they had it all together. Yeah. Somebody up on stage that would say, hey, I'm actually struggling here. Yeah. You know, but you know what? I'm going to get through it. You know, and uh, I think there's just something amazing. Um, I really do think that it's a it's a lie of the enemy, a lie of the devil, that people are looking to be led by perfect people. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that we can allow our image, our um, identity as, a, as maybe a pastor or a leader, a parent, a spouse, that, you know, like, I don't dare show any weakness. I don't dare show any need. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not even weakness, right? But, like, I've been in a situation where they had an altar call, and the first person to respond to the altar call was the pastor, you know, and a lot of people would be like, well, you know, I feel like I need to go up there, but is that going to damage my ability to lead my people mm-hmm. if they thought I have this issue in my life or this weakness? The reality is, is it actually breaks people free, mm-hmm. right? Because they see, shoot, if you have this problem, you know, I'm not alone yeah. in this. And, yeah. um, and I think that that's just a really important, really valuable lesson. Yeah, I, um, I remember... Uh, reading a book by Brene Brown called Daring Greatly. And it just spoke about kind of this idea. So Brene Brown's a shame researcher. Um, and she has gone on to become, uh, I don't agree with a lot of what she says these days, but um, some of her work is just fantastic. And this idea of shame is just a reality of human of life that, I mean, it's right there in the Bible, right from the beginning. Um, you know, before the fall, we were walking in the garden and naked with each other, and we felt no shame. And so shame is this weapon of the enemy that's attached to sin. And what did Adam and Eve do after they fell? They sewed on a fig leaves to cover themselves and I mean I've read in a lot of gray books is we're still wearing leaves to cover our shame we just got way better at it maybe yours is a Lamborghini maybe yours is is drugs and alcohol maybe yours is porn maybe yours is success maybe you're Big Leaf is uh, being the alpha male or the alpha woman in the room. Uh, Maybe it's whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. But the reality is when we can, I I like what you said, be secure enough in our identity and Christ, but more than that, in our God and what he's done and what he's done in and for us, we can draw back that curtain a bit and just get a little bit more vulnerable as a trendy word. But I like the word real or maybe just the word honest. Mm -hmm. Honesty is like, thank God, can we just be honest with ourselves? And, you know, like, Without all the BS, all the spiritual platitudes, and I think that's one of the reasons why I am uh, where I am and why I've been able to see that one of the things that both Addie and I bring is we've both traveled and administered really all over the world in different continents and different cultures. And, um, you know, the cliches break down across cultures, the uh, spiritual platitudes break down in different 
cultures, then it's only the real thing of God and then your real humanity that you share. And all this other cultural crap, it just burns up. And I often think about there's a scripture, and I, I don't remember exactly where it is. I think second Corinthians where Paul is the saying, like, when that day comes, the the ministry you've done is going to be tested. You'll and it's going to be burned in fire, and the wood, the hay, and then the stuff made with the precious metals. Only the stuff, the real things of God, the precious metals. That's what's going to stand. And um, I just saw early on these guys, my pastors and these Christians that have it all together. I've seen them fall out of ministry. I've seen them blow their brains out afterwards. I've not actually witnessed it, but I watched that actually occur, you know, within our faith community. And I was always just where like they were wearing a mask. And so I've always been real, um, inappropriately or real like again like you said it isn't about sharing your junk in the streets like in our modern day and social media it's like blah, 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 i'm doing you know doing this and like that's like actually what i would call inappropriate vulnerability where you're sharing your junk to try to get something back there's an agenda there right that's not what being a, a real is all about. I miss it. I really like that word. I don't know. I think the older I get, this idea of honesty is becoming a core value of mine. Just being honest with what it means to follow Jesus well. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenges, because I feel like in sometimes in church, um, we want to be inspiring. And that's good and right and true. We want to be positive faith filled we want to be encouraging we want to be loving um but the reality is the challenges of life do not leave when you're a christian in fact they become more because now you're entering into a battle for the destiny of our of our world and so um just getting real and that's really what this whole segment, if you will, what is a, a, what are we calling it again? Behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. No, I keep thinking of <clears throat> pulling back the curtain. And that's an idea right in scripture, like a, a revelation, apocalyptic uh, literature, right? This, These uh, prophetic uh, books in the Bible are all about unveiling to pulling back the curtain to see what is God really doing but also what does it take in the lives of real people every day to try to live this out well and that's our heart again uh, we want to provide um, hope encouragement and equipping and I pray this is like a bit more of like how do we live these lofty ideas in scripture out in a real real world right and so I just want to kind of transition us a little bit to our kind of big scripture of the year. First Timothy 1.9, that God has 
saved us, and he has called us to a holy life. What jumps out in your mind on that scripture? What do you notice, or where does your mind go about living that out? Well, you know, I have a, a friend of mine who is a nutrition coach, um, and about a year ago, almost a year ago, um, he said something to me that really just kind of challenged me. My whole life, you know, as I'm getting older, you know, I've battled with wanting to be more fit, wanting to lose weight. My wife jokes, you know, she's like, hey, some people can lose 40 pounds. You've lost 40 pounds like five times, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and I have, you know, I've lost weight and then I've gained it and I've lost it and I've gained it, you know, and uh, yeah, yo, yo. And um, and so this this friend of mine was like, you know, he said there's a difference between losing weight and building health. Okay. And, you know, and it really got me thinking about that because he was like, hey, like when your goal is to lose weight, you lose weight. He said, but what do you do when you reach your goal? Well, I reward myself with eating anything I want. Right. And a month later, two months later, six months later, I find myself back to where I was because I met my goal. And then I stopped doing whatever it was that I was doing to meet the goal, right? And so there's this uh, understanding for me when you think about, well, what's the difference between being saved and called? And um, I think that there's this uh, very important understanding as a Christian that if your understanding of salvation is that the goal of salvation is to just be saved, and if your definition of being saved is escaping judgment, right? My goal is to just escape the judgment of sin, right? My goal is to not go to hell, but to go to heaven. To stop. To stop sinning, right? Or to avoid the consequence of my sin, right? Like when you do something bad in that moment, will you not do anything to avoid the judgment of it? Right. When you get caught by a parent or a teacher cheating on a test or in that moment. Right. I would do anything to get out of the consequence that's about to happen. Sure. Um, but here's the problem. If my goal is to just escape judgment, then I come to Jesus. I come to the cross and I get forgiven. forgiven. And in that moment, I am free of guilt. I'm free of condemnation. I'm free of shame. Right. I'm free of the fear of judgment. Then I leave and I sin again, right? And then I find myself right back at the altar, right back at the cross, begging and praying and pleading and making a deal with God. I swear, God, if you'll just forgive me one more time, it's just this, I, I won't ever do it again, right? We've all been there. Or, or, or rinse and repeat. Yeah, rinse and repeat. I, um, there's a pastor by the name of Damon Thompson, and he said, you know, Christ did not come, live, and die and be resurrected again just to lengthen the time between your sin cycles. Woo. Yeah, come on. He came right. to give us the ability to be changed, yes. right? And so when you're wait, under... Wait, wait, wait. You, right, gotta, right. you gotta say that again. <laughs> what? Christ did not what? So Christ did not just come as a man, live a life, die on the cross for us, and get resurrected again 
just to lengthen the time between your sin cycles. That is good stuff. If you didn't write that down, write that down and ponder that one a little bit. Because sometimes we think, man, and I've been there. If you can just not sin. And that was my goal for a bit of my Christianity. You know, back in my day, I, you know, I'm, I, I don't like to admit this. I was addicted to porn, to drugs, to like all this. So it was like, man, if I get, and then I started to realize, well, that's not the goal. So if I can just not do that. So my goal was a lengthening. Um, and I think I know where you're going with this, but it doesn't work because you're on a, you're on a, a um, hamster wheel of thin shame seeking forgiveness and reconciliation sin shame seeking forgiveness and reconciliation and don't get me wrong like we are saved and all that like we are still beginning to experience our salvation but there is a more than just being forgiven that's really like only one part of the thing right well, and I think that that's, that's the deal, right? Is if that is your entire definition of salvation or being saved, then that's what you have faith for, yeah. right? But when you realize that you were not just saved from the consequence of judgment, but you were actually given something else. So I love the story of the prodigal son. Um, and, you know, if you don't know the story, read the story. Great story. We'll talk about it later. But you fast forward into that story and the prodigal son comes home, not expecting uh, forgiveness, not expecting anything of that nature, hoping for uh, a place with the servants or the slaves in his master's house. Right. Um, How many of us would say, God, I don't deserve this. But if you just forgive me one more time, I'll sweep the steps of heaven. Like, I, you don't, I don't even need a place at the table. I don't deserve a place at the table. I'm a worm. I'm dirt. I'm, I'm scum. But God, if you would just one more time, right? I mean, I've been there, you know? Um, but what happened was the son was met with unwarranted mercy and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now that that right there is enough. Mm-hmm. That right there is more than any of us deserve. But the father doesn't stop there. Mm-hmm. Right, the father puts a ring of authority on his son's finger. The father wraps him in a new robe of righteousness. The father puts new shoes on his feet, and then doesn't just give him a seat at the table, throws a party for him. Mm-hmm. And this is salvation, right? The salvation is that when you get saved, you're not just escaping judgment, but you're being adopted into the family. Mm-hmm. You're being called a son and a daughter, and that comes with it rights and responsibilities right Mm. and what's so amazing about this is that god gives us not only the call but he gives us the ability through grace to equip us to achieve the call but when you decide you know what i'm not just going to try to live right but i'm actually going to build and walk into my calling that takes you to a whole new level. And the way I like to look at it is like living on two sides of the cross, right? There's those that live on one side of the cross that come to the cross for salvation and they keep coming back and coming back and coming back. When you live on that side of the cross, you know, you live from a place of please. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Right? Please, 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 please. I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. When you walk into your purpose, your identity, and your calling, you now live on the other side of the cross from a place I like to call thank you. Mm. Right? So instead of please God, would you, you live from a place that now says thank you, God, that you have. Yeah. Right? Like it is. Yeah, I love that. Like it is finished. This idea that it is finished. Um, and I want to go back to that. Well, I'll be honest with you. Like, yeah, because when you're at please, 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 it's like you're not even really saved yet. Like, it, I mean, it's almost like you're still in this place of unforgiveness. And even when we sin, when we fall short, um, and and we have to repent and confess. We even do that knowing that we are forgiven, and that in that moment when we confess, when we profess, it is wiped away. Like it's not you have to beg. You don't have to do your ten hail marys and and earn it again. And I guess you know, depending on what spectrum in the Christian world. You may be, but, you know, where we, the, theologically, we believe that moment, you're, you're made right again, that's well washed away. The scriptures say that God is faithful and just to, you know, to cleanse us of, of all our unrighteousness if we confess. But hey, I want to back up just a bit. You started to move out of this idea, like, you know, if that's your only understanding of salvation, you kind of miss out on living called, right? Once we get into, thank you, I am saved. It is done. There is more. And you spoke about the parable of the prodigal. Done. And I want to start kind of, creeping into the the realm of this this next word in our scripture called um you know it's interesting he was called a son again when the parent when the prodigal walked away he took all his stuff and it's basically was like his father was dead he was no longer i mean he was no longer he was uh, no longer a son. <laughs> what is happening? Um, but when he brought him back, when he gave him the robe, when he gave him the ring, that was saying, no, 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 I still call you. Like there was a position within the family, a legal position. And so one of the things I want to talk about one of the realities of being called is what the Lord actually calls us. He And you said that he called him a son. And so there's a, a, a reality. When we are saved, we are giving a new calling as in what we are called by God before salvation. The scriptures say we're at odds with God, right? We're apart from it. We're not... Uh, we're not in right standing with God, but when we are saved, we are called a new thing. We're called his son. 
We're and his daughter. We're forgiven. We're redeemed. We're adopted. We're bought back. So this idea of the the new identity in Christ of a believer. There, like when you become a believer, you become a new creation with a brand new identity. And I think I really do believe that's where calling begins when you begin recognizing your new identity. Um, because you know a lot of folks will say being or being comes out of what you do. So you know the what you do makes you makes you who you are. Right? Um, I'm a successful. Surgeon, that's who I am. Because I've done success, I am a success. Or because I'm, you know, or whatever that is. I think Christianity works from the inside out. You become it, then you begin to live it. Mm -hmm. And so I think a reckoning with who God has called us to be in our new identity is actually where we begin. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's so interesting. I think that at its core, everything that we're talking about from, you know, Genesis to maps, as they say, right? Um, everything from Genesis to Revelation, it's an identity issue, yeah. right? <laughs> so God had his kids who then got lied to, deceived, and he's now in the fight for winning back the heart of humanity, yeah. right? And isn't this an interesting thought? I mean, tell me if I'm way off of kilter here, but oh yeah, you know. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> more more than more than normal. Yeah. Um, but I, this thought just occurred to me that okay, when you ask someone who they are, if they come from a broken home, okay. Oftentimes, they'll identify themselves from that hurt, mm. right? So we call that daddy issues. We call that all kinds of different things. So, sure. so you might say, you know, who are you? Well, this is who I am. I'm an orphan. I was raised in a I, I, I was home. abused. I was this. I was this. I was this. Now, you find someone who came from an unbroken home, had a, a loving mother, loving father, strong family community, mm. and you ask them, who are you? They don't identify when was the last time you said, who are you? Well, I was a loved son. Right? I had a very comfortable childhood. That isn't even on No. Mind. Now you go into, well, these are my achievements. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. This is who I am. Right? Yeah. You take for granted what mm -hmm. was, was there. Yeah, right? Versus being able to do the same thing through the hurt and the brokenness. Mm -hmm. Right? So I'm saying that because of this. There are different people that have gone through different things that are going to understand the significance of some of these cliche things that we throw around better than others. Mm, that's good. Okay, If you haven't lost your identity, you don't understand the significance of God giving you one. Mm -hmm. right? if, you, if you were raised and fortunate enough to be raised in a secure environment, knowing the things of God, knowing the Christianese, as I would call it, growing up... like. Or just having a, a, a healthy identity or self-concept. Sure. Yeah. 
you know, when you have those things, like you, there are certain things that you may never actually experience. So I remember hearing someone talking about the Beatitudes, right? The blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the weak, blessed are the meek, blessed are the this, blessed are the that. And he was talking about how, you know, if you've never been poor in spirit, mm -hmm. you're not going to see the blessing that that person gets to see. Sure. Right? If, if you've never been <coughs> through that kind of fire, you may never see that particular aspect or face of God or, or really truly understand it. Yeah. And I think that there is there is something very significant about like, you know, we throw around terms like born again, right? But when's the last time you really thought about the concept yeah. of, you know what? Uh, what that actually means. I, I was born this way. So what? You get a chance to be born again. Mm. I was born into this family. You don't know. You know what? Okay. But you get a chance to be reborn, right? Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite stories um, is I, I began to like really process this, like, this understanding of identity and the significance of identity. One of my favorite stories was a story about Jacob in the Old Testament. And um, if you know anything about Jacob, like it was a very questionable life that this young man lived, right? He was a, a twin, but he was the younger twin, correct? Um, and he ends up swindling the birthright from his brother over like some food. Uh, behold the power of cheese. No. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then he, you know, lies to his father, um, deceives him, gets the birthright, has to run for his life, ends up with his uncle, who's also a swindler, uh, out swindles the swindler, yeah. right? Finds himself in a place where he's got his huge family, his abundance of livestock and wealth that the Lord has blessed him with, even though he's a liar and a thief. His uncle's behind him, wants to kill him. His brother's coming at him with a, a, a group of soldiers, and he's assuming he wants to kill him. And he does what any true, honorable man of character would do. I just read this. He sends his wife and kids out in front of him, right? Like, you know... And he splits them up, right? He splits up his family and says, hey. If, you... if, 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 he, if he freaking kills these, at least I've got. Yeah, so automatically you're going to have daddy issues if you're one of his kids, right? Because which group did he put me in? You know what I mean? Anyway, now Jacob finds himself alone in this place of between literally a rock and a hard space, right? And it says that he wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night. Right, physically wrestled with this angel of the Lord. Um, so in this story, there comes a point when they are like at an even match, which is its own theological debate. But it says that the angel of the Lord touches his hip and handicaps him, right? And even doing that, Jacob doesn't let this guy go, right? And so the sun is coming. I'm pretty sure this guy was like a vampire or something. He's like, I got to get out of here. The sun's coming. Um, but he's like, you got to let me go. And Jacob says something that was, I, I, I just, as I read it the hundredth time, I was like, wait a second. Yeah. He says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. bless me. Right? And I'm like, okay. All right. He's well, already been blessed with all the stuff we would consider yes. a blessing, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, that's what I'm, I'm perking up here. And I'm like, well, what's the blessing? Right? It's not family. He's got family. It's not wealth. He already has wealth. Yeah. It's not even healing. Yeah. Right? It says that he walked with a limp yeah. for the rest of his days. Yeah. So what was the blessing? The blessing was this. I, I the, I, yeah, the angel says, what's your name? We know now, and probably because of him, 
But we know now that the name Jacob means liar. And I believe that when Jacob said, my name is Jacob, he wasn't just saying, my name is Jacob. But he was actually coming to grips with and confessing, I am a liar. I am a thief. This is who I am. And, you know, there's that moment, Isaiah 6, when Isaiah gets to go right into the presence of God. Right. And he sees him in the temple on his throne. And his first thought is, I'm a dead man. Because when we see God that way, we see ourselves honestly. Right. Uh, You know, how many times do we lie to ourselves? Right. But the reality is is we get to see ourselves honestly. And in that moment, there is no like I, I deserve anything. Right. I don't deserve anything. And so there's this honest moment with Jacob. It says, my name is Jacob. And here comes the blessing. And I think it's the greatest miracle and the greatest gift God can bestow upon a human being. He says, you are no longer Jacob. You will now be called Israel. And I believe that when you get that moment with the Lord, when you get honest with yourself, you know who you are, you know what you deserve. And God says, you know what, though? You don't have to be that anymore. You get to be this new thing. And I believe it's Revelation that talks about that. He gives us a new name yep. written on white stones. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, wow. So I think um, I love this combo. I, um, you know, you mentioned Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. And you said that, you know, if you've never struggled with some of these things, you don't know that you need them. The first rule, if you've ever been in sales and marketing, is help a, a prospective client identify their their need or their pain points. The problem with the blessing of God, and we live in a Western world, we live in a modern world that was, quite frankly, born out of um, an expansion of, of Western Christianity. All of, the, all of the great scientists of the Enlightenments were all Christians who were seeking God through scientific advancement. Now all of us live in a blessed world where there's, I mean, sure, the bottom two billion are living on a dollar a day, but the top four or five billion are living in greater wealth than the kings of old used to live in, right? Like, so we live in such significance, and you said something really profound, if you were raised in a good environment, you don't even recognize your need. And I have seen, like, you know, I had a bit of a, I had a rough upbringing. I had a, oh, it wasn't awful, but it was pretty darn broken. And, you know, I understand this idea that blessed are the poor in spirit because I knew, I was aware of, of my need and it made me sick to get the need filled and that led some bad ways, but then it led me to God. And I, you know, I knew that I, I needed a God. One of the greatest dangers I've seen of people not, not even living called 
But even living saved is they don't even know they need salvation. So that's why, you know, I think back in the, the previous uh, generations, there was a lot of this um, this hellfire and brimstone because trying to get folks to just acknowledge they are sinners in need of a savior is a huge thing. But um, the problem is when you live in the blessing of God like Jacob did, he didn't even know for so long that how desperately he needed a new a new name, a new identity. And um, one of the greatest revelations that you can get in the Christian walk is discovering who God says you are. And then it's in that place that the actions, our words, the results, the outward of our life begins to change and we begin to live a called life. And it really is from this place of I'm a new thing because of our God. And I'm going to say it again. Some of you don't think you need a new name because your mommy and your daddy treated you well. They gave you a good life skills. They sent you to a good college. So you think, oh, I believe in Jesus. I'm good. I can just make up my money and I don't need to live on mission. I've been there. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying this is a reality that is a danger that we can live saved and not live called. And I think it's so vital. We were at a men's uh, group, a men's breakfast this morning. And I want to kind of, I don't know if this is going to actually be a good segue, but let's explore it. Um, This idea of once you're saved, it's not a one and done deal. You've got to renew that faith day by day. And we then we kind of got in this idea of renewing our minds, right? Renewing our minds to what um, to um, the things and the promises that God declares in His Word. Day by day, we have to renew our minds on on who God is, what God has done, what God is, His grace has manifested in my life as in my salvation and who He has called me to be. And it's in that renewal. You said this, and I love this. Your big thing is, it's not faith until you take action. Before that, it's just hope. That's a, I'm still, that's a, that is a great revelation, dude. So many Christians live in, live in hope, Mm -hmm. but it's when we take action on what we hope in that it becomes faith. Remember the scripture of faith without works in the head. Mm -hmm. It is our action that actually activates or brings our faith to life. And so you said something profound earlier when the son came home, he had rights and and responsibilities reinstated. Mm -hmm. I feel like something in there is like where we could go is like when we become followers of God, we're brought home, we're given a new identity, I would even say our 
original identity is restored, right? We're made back into what God originally intended. But along with that comes rights and responsibility as well. What do you reckon are a couple of those rights and responsibilities that we are then to begin to take action on and begin living out, you know, our, our walk? No, absolutely. I think that, uh, you know, when you come home, we we... The Bible talks about that we are made heirs, that we are made, um, you know, sons and daughters of the king, right? But it's not just a king that is self-serving. It's not a king that's just entitled. It's not a king that's just sitting back and like, you know, worship me, serve me. Uh, It's all about me. But we actually become the sons and daughters of a servant king. And there is um, a responsibility and the equipping that we would walk in those same footsteps. And so, you know, I think that there's this, uh, when you understand the goodness of God and that when God saved us, when God loved us, when God chose us, when you understand how undeserving we are of that, we walk in that with a different kind of grateful spirit, a different kind of grateful heart. And so, you know, there's a, uh, this idea that it's like, man, I don't want to go and serve because I have to serve or because a good Christian serves. But when you understand what you were given, you know, I want to turn back and I want to reach and I want to give that again to somebody else. Um, you know, the, the equipping and the rights and the responsibilities, um, you know, the right heart and the right motive changes everything. And I think that that is maybe one of the greatest concepts we can get as Christians is that this is not a math formula. It's not a scientific equation, right? It's not if I pray this prayer and I do these things and I take communion, I'm going to be okay and I'm going to be forgiven. This is the action. Uh, I, you know, they have their place, I guess. But like you, you read a book that's like the ABCs of prayer. If you pray this way and in this order, the genie will come out of the bottle and <laughs> and all your prayers will be answered, right? It's not math and it's not science. Uh, there's a guy who wrote a book called um, Blue Like Jazz. His name is Donald Miller. And he uh, has another great book, better than that, I think, called um, Searching for God Knows What. And in that book, he talks about how we are looking for the equation, mm. right? We're looking for the formula. And he said... The Bible is not math and science, it's poetry, right? And what is the difference? Well, poetry moves human emotion. Poetry touches the heart. And this thing with God is not, uh, again, it's not an equation. This thing with God is relationship, you know? And so if you are still living in the equation of Christianity, the formula, the dogma of Christianity, but you don't know the person of Jesus, that's a great place to start, right? Because, you know, I remember somebody asked me this question and it really kind of rocked me to my core at the time. Uh, I remember they said, if you could go to heaven and all your friends and all your family and all your loved ones are there with you, but Jesus wasn't, Mm. would you care? (laughs) Right? And what that question does is it starts testing motive. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing this for either escaping judgment or to gain reward? 
Or am I doing this because I've so fallen in love with someone who chose me when I didn't deserve to be chosen, who gave me a new name when I really deserved, you know, condemnation and death. Um, you know, again, it's not until you're in that moment. I remember, let me be real, real. I was in ministry, uh, leading a ministry with my brother-in-law. And I was back home visiting with family. I'm married at the time. And I have a moral failure. And I get caught um, looking at pornography. Mm. Right? And I remember the, number one, the shame of it. I remember just that, you know, I got caught. Right? Mm. My sin was exposed. It was exposed to people that, you know, God, I wish would never knew that about me. Mm. You know, never knew that I had a weakness or I had a, an issue. But I remember feeling the responsibility of calling my brother-in-law who I was in ministry with and letting him know who I really was. Yeah. Right? And in that moment, I knew that what I deserved was, well, you're no longer fit for ministry. Well, you're no longer this. You can't do that. I can't trust you with this or whatever. And what I was met with instead was grace. Mm. And what I was met with instead was, hey, man, I still believe in you. This is not who you are. I'll stand with you. What do you need? How do we move forward from here? And that undeserved mercy and grace changed how I looked at my relationship with the Lord forever. Mm. You know, and, you know, when you get those kinds of revelations and those kinds of perspectives it absolutely changes everything about the way that we're called. It, yeah. it changes our, our, our uh, purpose for being here. And when you realize the pain of sin, man, it just makes your heart break for humanity. Yeah. You know, And all of a sudden it's like, how do I flow in these gifts, flow in this reality so that I can help other people um, feel yeah. free? Yeah, that's good. Um, just a couple of things I was thinking about. I, I think it's a scripture, but it says, uh, but I often tell you this, but when, when, I, when I think about how great of a salvation we've been given, um, just this idea, when I think of how great a salvation we've been given, like we can't not want to give it to others, and I think so. There's a there's a impetus to like truly understand how great of a salvation we've been given. I think that's the that's the the need of the pastor and the teacher to you know to to um, share that, but and and also the journey of discipleship. But um, you know. Um, we're reading a book called The Making of a Leader, and it's all about how God raises up a leader through their lifetime. And, you know, there is this time when you are saved. You're a follower. You're receiving. You're a spiritual baby. You're growing, right? Like there's a, you're born again, right? So like there's a spiritual growth. Like a, you start as a baby, you become a child, you become an adolescent, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, and I think this is like the, the, why the disciplines of a disciple, going to church, um, reading the Bible, worshiping God, praying, fasting, giving, serving, these things don't save you. 
they actually put you in a place of greater relationship, mm-hmm. right? Like so, when you go out, go out on a go out on a date, does the date mean that you're in a relationship? No, no, no. It's an avenue of relationship, and those are the things with the spiritual disciplines is it grows you up so that you can taste and see the goodness of the Lord. And I, I, in this book, it talks about there comes a point when you've tasted and seen so much of the goodness of the Lord. It's like, dear God, I cannot keep this to myself anymore. And that's when you become called. That's when you start taking steps of giving not just receiving. That's when you start, stop relying on others to give. You're getting and receiving from the Lord of your own accord. You're not a baby anymore. Like a baby can't feed itself, like literally, right? And even like a like a young one, right, can't, eh, they're not going to eat the right stuff. They still need the parents and the guardians. But eventually, you, the an 18 year old needs to know what to eat. But you know, when you start eating for yourself, well, you can get lean and mean, or you can get fat and green, right? Like you can, right, right. It's right. 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 So there's a, that, that responsibility piece kind of comes into play. And from there, <clears throat> if you're God willing, if you've been, if you've been a, quote unquote raised right you're eating the right stuff regularly you become able you've tasted so much of the good you become becoming advocate you become an advocate and a champion mm-hmm. i.e for the father's business right you've the father's done you so much good and what the father is about is the father's business and you're adopted now. You're part of the family. I Therefore, you're part of the family business. And, you know, there's the elder brother who does it just because he should. That's a dutiful son does. He looks after the father's business. He does his things. But it's so that you remember in that parable how angry he was with the father i've done all you asked and you never gave me nothing even though he lives in the father's house has all the father and will and will at the end inherit everything mm-hmm. but he's bitter because he's doing it for you mentioned it with the wrong motive but how much rejoicing did the young brother have and you can imagine after receiving such a grace salvation from such a generous father, how much more of a dutiful, quote-unquote, done taking care of the father's business is that son going to be? And so I would say this, if you feel guilty because you don't tell God about your friend, tell your friends about God. If you feel guilty, you don't I give a more on earth, and you know you quote unquote should, should should all over your <laughs> self, right? Don't should all over your self. <laughs> like should does nothing. It's it's a poor it's a poor 
motivator. Mm-hmm. Taste, don't start trying to do the the things that someone who's living on mission and would be called of God would do. Your first thing is to learn to feed yourself well so that you taste more of the goodness of God more and more and more and grow up into your spiritual maturity so that then it is an overflow out of your life and love both for the God that loves you, that relationship, but also a desire to advance the Father's business. Mm -hmm. You care about what the Father cares about because you're so close with the Father. You want the Father's business, you know, to flourish. I I hope that that made some Yeah, I would say, you know, one of the the things I'm thinking about as you're talking about that is we, um, I get saved and I look at another Christian and I look at the fruit that they're producing. Mm -hmm. And I want to jump straight to producing that fruit, not realizing that that fruit comes by abiding in the vine, Mm -hmm. right? And so here I am beating my head, trying to be, quote unquote, as good or as called or as you know, blessed or equipped as the guy next to me, Mm. when what I'm really called to do, my first foremost calling is to abide, right? And my my first calling is, you're talking about feeding yourself. I need to be attached to that vine. And I need to get so in love with being attached to the vine and recognize that if you get that right, everything else comes and it comes effortlessly. Yeah, yeah, I think about that older brother in the, the story of the prodigal son. You know, one of the things that the father said to him was, you know, the son comes and he's like, I've done this and I've been here and you never did this and this and this for me. And the father's response is those things have always been available to you. And I would say there's a great example of being saved and not walking in your calling. Yeah. Right. Like everything <laughs> has been made available to you. There are no super Christians. There are no you know, people that got a, a different Holy Spirit than you got. There, there's none of those things, but there is a, a desire, you know, a purpose. And I think purpose is a great word that we could use here um, because when you don't, you, you know, Josh was talking about when you get 18, yes, having the right training definitely helps in making the right choices. Sure. But you know what? If I don't have a purpose of, let's say, fitness, how long am I going to choose vegetables over pizza? Right. But if I have a purpose, right, if I have something and a goal, I will then make the choices to try to walk in that purpose. Um, Our uh, pastor, Matt, um, had a a sermon a couple weeks back that I thought was so good. He talked about his junk drawer and about how that drawer, he gets cleaned out and he gets filled with junk again. And we all have a junk drawer at home. Right. (laughs) And I thought it was such a powerful metaphor because he said this. He's like, I cleaned this drawer up. Why is it full of junk again? And he realized it was full of junk again because he had never given that drawer a purpose, yeah. right? Your, your, your silverware drawer doesn't become your junk drawer because it's a silverware drawer. Yeah. You know, your, your drawer with all your uh, oven mitts and towels, it doesn't get full of junk because that's purposed for something. Yeah. But if you don't give it a purpose, it will by natural law mm-hmm. get filled with junk. That's really good. Um... Uh, well, you're jumping ahead. I think <laughs> next month or 
two or three months, uh, we're going to start building into that. Um, uh, how has God wired me and created me this kind of journey of uh, self-discovery or self-awareness that's very big and in vogue in, uh, in our social media culture. I want to discover myself, da, da, da. And it, so it kind of gets a bad rap in some of the Christian world, but God has created us with unique gifts, callings, personality, wires. We've come from different environments, um, and we're called to different, which will uniquely equip us, much less when we receive the gifts of the Spirit, right? So really starting to understand that self-awareness pace who has God created me to be? I remember um, uh, uh, with, uh, Max Lucado. I remember when I was like 25, no idea what my purpose was, but I knew I needed one. And I just like started digging into it. It took me years to figure it out, really. But I'll never remember. I read this book. It's a great book. We'll put it in the show notes. The Cure. For, well, no, we won't because we're going to be going over the purpose thing and later episodes but anyways um you said if you know the way you're wired you'll know what you're wired up for and so i feel like sometimes you have to go on the journey of discovering that purpose or really and we're gonna do that on the good christian podcast so um is there anything that's kind of like screaming in your mind that we've not covered i feel like we've really walked through some great landscape on difference between saved, called, the differences between the two in the growth journey to get there. Was there anything else that you'd love to leave the people with? I would just say that we got to remember that, you know, what we've been called to do as Christians is going to require the power of God. Mm -hmm. And it's a good question that I try to ask myself is, what am I doing? What am I believing for? What, what am I involved in that actually requires the power of God to show up? And, um, and I think it's just a good question to ask yourself as you're discovering and, and, and stepping into this idea of I'm called to. Um, God calls us to things that require him. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just a good question, maybe a good, a yeah. good thought. It won't be done on our own strength. And actually just to realize we're not, we're not quite through yet because... It says he's called us to a holy life. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get into a theological treat. He's a, of holiness. But I do want to at least touch on this. Um, and we can come back to it later on. And I'm sure we will. Because this subject matter, this convo, is really kind of the baseline overarching theme of where we're going for the rest of this year, right? And so... Um, a few thoughts. I just want to, maybe we can just kind of ban, banter real quick with just a few key thoughts on, 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 um, on holiness. Um, I wish we could have just recorded a few of our <laughs> things we spoke about at the men's breakfast because that was right on. One, um, I think about holiness. It often gets linked to moralistic religiosity, right? Like moral 
a, a, a morality. And I don't get me wrong, there is a moral component. Like, so great example. Well, here, I'm going to go back. But by a definition, um, the word holy means to be set apart. A God, one of his primary attributes is that God is altogether uh, holy. That means there is none like him. There, he is completely apart from this world, this creation. So if we're going to be with the Father, we have to become holy. And there's a reality that Jesus makes us holy. He um, re re renews us. He regenerates us. He redeems us. He restores us. There is a part of our spirit that now lives with God and Christ. That's what we would call positional holiness, right? And living into that, that's part of like understanding our new identity, our new being, right? That's a big part of our faith of being saved by grace and understanding all that, right? But if we're going to live on mission, there comes a time when and again, it's not just about a, a morality, but it is about living into standards of conduct and ways of pain that means we don't get to live like everybody else. Yeah, I would agree. I would say one of the things that we were kind of touching base on this morning was, um, you know, there's a question of, uh, I, I teach youth and <laughs> inevitably we'll always have the question is it okay to drink as a Christian is it okay to smoke weed as a Christian mm. is it okay to do different things right and I will always stop them right there and say you know before we even get into that um, question let's find out if we're even asking the right question mm. right because it sounds like you're asking the question of what can I get away with? How much sin is in, in... <laughs> and and still be saved, yeah. right? And it's I said, just the wrong question. It's just the wrong question. I said, you know, the right question, the first question is, what kind of a splash do you want to make for the kingdom of God? Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to make a splash, you don't need to be yeah, set apart. Mm -hmm. But the bigger splash you want to make for the kingdom, the the bigger understanding of the reality of who you are and who God is, um, the more you walk into that, the more impact you're going to want to make yeah. right and for the right reasons yeah. you know i don't want to make a great impact because god's going to love me more mm. i don't want to make a great impact and make a name for myself i want to make a great impact because people are hurting and dying in this mm. world but if i want to do that i have to be uh you know I, we say this that the 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 deeper you want to go the narrower you have to live your life mm. if you want to stay shallow you can go wide you know, but if you want to go deep, you're going to have to narrow your life and, and set apart. Well, that would easily be another um, half hour or an hour, but I think we're going to have to wrap it up there. Um, I hope you found value and hope equipping and encouraging on this episode of the Good Christian Podcast. We'll have the one and only Addie Layton back next month to keep the convo going. But for now, if you found value in this, if you, um, if there was anyone who was, man, I wish we could have this combo, why don't you send this episode 
to three friends. Um, also, if you found value, hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. You don't know how much those are little actions. Help us get this message out there. And please share us on social media. And, um, you know, go ahead and, and hit that hashtag, the Good Christian Podcast. But for now, may the Lord who called you, may he be gracious unto you. May he bless you and protect you and cause all you do to prosper. We love you, and we will see you next episode on the Good Christian Podcast.